0: Welcome, guys, to a very special episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. And I, I guess you guys can imagine what we're going to talk about. We've got with us, very luckily, Colin Savage, city financial expert and city matters committee member, fresh from giving his views to the BBC. And, uh, we're, we're, of course, we're talking about this uh, decision that's been handed down by UEFA. A two-year ban um, from all European competitions got a lot of um, quite over-the-top reaction. We've got Colin here. We've also got Ray. Ray was speaking to people from um, Sky TV. They edited a lot of his um, more, sh- <laughs> more strident opinions out of that, but I can understand that. I have to do that
1: myself. Ray, thank you so much for coming on to discuss this hot topic it's always a pleasure I'm sat in bed with the covers over my head uh, trying to hide away from the brickbats and uh, the stories from uh, a lot of the press
0: and welcome also to Colin Savage Colin you're going to have your work cut out for the 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 next week but this is what you do so um... (laughs) this is what I do yeah so pop foot from an interview with the BBC tell us a
2: little bit Uh, about that
0: Colin apparently
2: it was for BBC TV whether it was the local TV or or the national I'm not sure because obviously I, I then went straight into this podcast so I've not had the chance to see it so I might have to go back and look but I'm told it was for BBC TV News and uh, obviously I think they'd been given my contact details by City themselves from what I gather I'm not quite sure of that but um, uh, yeah so basically I I made the alternative case that you know a lot of journalists are jumping to a lot of conclusions and that we feel we've got a good Grounds for um, appealing this, and we'll talk about that a lot more, I'm sure.
0: Well, absolutely, it was great to be in demand, Colin. Well, let's talk about the decision. <laughs> a lot of people on Twitter were talking about what they were doing when this uh, news broke. Now, I'm just trying to figure out how surprising was this. We've been led to believe from Sam Lee that this was not going to happen. That the ban would that the ban was not going to be forthcoming that uh, city would uh, get away with it or they would um, receive some sort of minor financial penalty. Just quoting Sam Lee, and he says that the information that he and his colleague had was very well sourced from several people close to the uh, to the case on different sides. He says that City and other related parties felt that there would be uh, no ban at all, and um, something obviously happened uh, to shake that all up, Colin. So um, have you any idea what might have happened between the confidence that they had there at the Athletic that this was not going to happen, and then what happened uh, yesterday? It's hard to know for sure, isn't it, unless you've got access to the
2: inner sanctum of UEFA, but... I think we do know, and I, well, I do know that um, back in uh, the latter stages of the Champions League, uh, Alexander Seferin, UEFA president, appeared at a couple of our games. Now, my information is that he was trying to negotiate a deal whereby we would accept, we were guilty of w- what were described as technical breaches. And in return, we would accept a, yeah, a relatively insignificant fine, certainly not, nothing like the 30 million euros we've been uh, fined by UEFA. Now, the interesting thing about this, and it only struck me this morning, was that the investigatory chamber at UEFA, which is the lower one, did all the work, passed its recommendation to the higher chamber. As we've said before, they're the ones who have to make a, uh, a serious um, punishment, decision on a serious punishment. They are supposed to be, they are not UEFA functionaries. They are brought in from outside by UEFA as as basically an independent court, if you like, independent jurisdiction. Now, the interesting thing is if Seferin was trying to hawk a deal around, that suggests that he felt he had some sway over the adjudicatory chamber and therefore they're not as independent as is claimed. The impression seems to be a lot of a lot of pressure was put on the members of the adjudicatory chamber to come to one decision or the other. So on the one hand, you've got Alexander Seferin trying to kind of do a deal and keep trying to keep everyone happy. And on the other hand, you've got what I call the UEFA hawks. I think we don't need to name them. I think we can guess who they are trying to make sure we get the maximum possible punishment. And this is supposed to be an independent body. So so my first question would be, how independent is the adjudicatory chamber to start with? Because everyone appears to be leaning on them.
0: He seems to have been from what you're saying colin trying to get city to take a plea deal a slap on the wrist and yeah. and, and, and and cop to some kind of um small breach which is what happened in 2014 of course and uh, in the article i wrote for Bolt from the blue this was one of the reasons why i said that this was a surprise to city the other thing was um silver lake they invested 500 million in the city group uh, colin when they surely would have known due diligence and and, and and taken a view on what was likely to happen surely
2: You would imagine so, yeah. I don't think the Silver Lake investment has any uh, relation to what, you know, to a, a ban from the Champions League. But they would have taken assurances from City's board that they felt this was not something that was going to impact them. So, be interesting to see what happens.
0: Let's move over to Ray. Now, Ray, now, here's the thing that I can't really understand. Perhaps you can help us out. Now, the journalists, you would assume, are not stupid. I think that's a very unsafe assumption. Okay, but, but everyone knows that nothing can happen to City until there is a definitive decision. Now, what has been striking across all of the media is that they're writing as if this two-year ban and the financial penalty will stand. Yeah. Yet they know that City will go to CAS or CAS, and they know that Khaldun al-Mubarak has the option, if he receives an unfavorable verdict from CAS, to take it to the Swiss Supreme Court. And this gives the potential for protracted legal wrangling for at least a year, more than a year. Yeah. And that would mean that Pep would be into his last season anyway. So there would be no question of him needing to leave prematurely. And if the ban was finally upheld in the middle of Pep's last season, then that wouldn't take effect until the season after. And still, despite all of this, and despite knowing that, they're talking about Mass City exodus, Pep Guardiola leaving at the end of this season. They're talking about a fire sale of City players. They're talking about City being unable to attract players in the summer.
1: I mean, what is this? It's a load of balls. And they're pandering to the readership, the tribal nature of football, the other clubs, the fans of other clubs who are just jumping on the bandwagon and uh, gleefully, you know, trying to kick City fans whilst we're already stumbling and uh, some of us are already on the floor. The fact is, City are appealing to cast. Now, if you look at the last... This current case, the investigation, how long has it taken to conclude? It's taken ages when City first appealed to cass It's been a long, long process. For Cass to come to the conclusion, because Cass made a, a statement a, a couple of days ago. Do you think it's going to take, basically, UEFA have gotten, if it goes to Cass now, six months to get this done and dusted before the Champions League starts again next season? Now, are UEFA going to take the risk of excluding City before the Cast has, um, um d- decision has been finalized? Are Cass going to rush this through? It, you know, have Cast done a lot of the work already, expecting this to happen. Have City done a lot of the work expecting this to happen? I think they have. Is it going to be rushed through, as I said? Or is it going to take another 12 months to come to fruition? So like you say, if UEFA you, if you don't just exclude City whilst Cast things going on, then Pep will be into the next season. And all these journalists, it's just there. It's once again, it's drama, clickbait to get people to jump in and to take part, to ring up uh, uh, radio stations, uh, phone-ins, pay the premium rate numbers for that, to get uh, clicking online and to be involved. That's what they want. That's what some of this is certainly set out to. It's set out just to get people talking and clicking, and it's just clickbait.
0: Let's go back to Colin Savage. Colin, um, it's very interesting that City were very quick with their statement. Uh, Some people suggested that the the statement has been pre-prepared months in advance. Because of their, you know, planning for every scenario. Just going to read it quickly to the listeners. Here we go. It says, Manchester City is disappointed but not surprised by today's announcement by the UEFA Adjudicatory Chamber. The club has always anticipated the ultimate need to seek out an independent body and process to impartially consider the comprehensive body of irrefutable evidence in support of its position. In December 2018, the UEFA chief investigator publicly previewed the outcome and sanction he intended to be delivered to Manchester City before any investigation had even begun. The subsequent flawed and consistently leaked UEFA process he oversaw has meant that there was little doubt. In the result that he would deliver, the club has formally complained to the UEFA disciplinary body, a complaint which was validated by a CAS ruling. Simply put, this is a case initiated by UEFA. Here's where we get the rhetoric prosecuted by UEFA and judged by UEFA. With this prejudicial process now over, the club will pursue an impartial judgment as quickly as possible and will therefore in the first instance commence proceedings with the Court of Arbitration for Sport at the earliest opportunity. Very barbed, actually, Colin. What did you think of it?
2: Yes, it's very, as you say, it's very barbed, I think. um, And as we said earlier, The adjudicatory chamber, which is supposed to be comprised of external people external to UEFA, clearly was subject to pressure, both from from all sides. So, yeah, I think City's characterisation of the the whole process as UEFA being judge, jury and executioner is
0: quite obvious. Colin, take us back a little bit in the history because of this um, particular sentence that says that um, the UEFA chief investigator publicly previewed the outcome and sanction he intended to be delivered to Manchester City before any investigation had even begun. That's probably one of the most pointed barbs. Tell us what that refers to.
2: Well, basically, yeah, as far as I'm aware, there's um, just looking at the statement that um, CASME, or well, the, the publish- publication of the Proceedings, and basically, they they say, under certainly under UEFA rules, they have to be confidential. These proceedings should be comf- completely confidential. Uh, yet, even a term, who was the head of the investigatory chamber, w- was was talking about them in the newspapers. And of course, as we know, one of the, the key grounds for City's appeal to CAS, which normally would not have been heard, but CAS took it seriously enough to open an investigation and an appeal, was that both the, the, the UEFA process itself, and the subsequent appeal to CAS are governed by codes of confidentiality, and UEFA repeatedly flouted those. Yeah, you know, and if you look at court proceedings in the UK, for example, in, in court in England, if you go out and prejudice, if you're a juror or, or a, a prosecuting or a defending solicitor, and you do something that prejudices the uh, outcome, potentially prejudices the outcome of a case, you will be held in contempt of court.
0: Colin, perhaps you could clear this up uh, for us. I know that you sort of poo-pooed it before when we talked about it on another pod, but I think it's becoming more involved in the narrative. And that is the fact that we have this chap called uh, Rui Pinto, who's languishing in, in, in prison in Portugal for doing pretty much the same thing as what he did to spark off those uh, Der Spiegel articles. Perhaps without a lot of knowledge, people are coming up with the question that in a criminal procedure, evidence obtained in that manner would not be admissible. And um, I think we do need to, to to tackle this. So, are we saying, uh, and our UEFA saying, by this decision, that it doesn't really matter? What garbage can you pick your evidence out of? It's going to be admissible if it, if it looks bad.
2: It's a difficult. Well, I'm not a legal expert. You know, you need someone like Stephen Borson to comment on that, really. But well, all, I, all I would say is if this case did come to court, then everything would have to come out anyway. Ennio Luco, the, the former, well, the, the woman footballer, was asking some quite pertinent questions on Twitter last night, I believe. And talking about if these emails were perhaps basically stolen, how has UEFA managed to rely on them in an investigation? And, and perhaps the answer is, I don't say, I don't know, but they opened an investigation on the basis of these emails without necessarily using so once they inve- open the investigation, once a course case starts, whichever, then those emails become public property basically as part of the disclosure process.:
0: Yeah, and you've, you've, everyone moves on and they forget where it came from. I think uh, one of the centerpieces of a lot of articles that have appeared uh, since the announcement is that City have never disputed uh, what has um, been seen in these emails, and and that's why that they put such stock in them. But, Ray, UEFA, they're taking an enormous gamble here, aren't they? Because if you consider just the... The strident comments by Mr. Al Mubarak in in, in the last um, chairman's uh, interview and what he has said before and after, particularly with that um, sort of uh, well-documented threat where he Mm -hmm. promised to hire, what, 30 of the best lawyers in the world and basically sue UEFA for the next 50 years. You'd have to be, you'd have to have a certain level of confidence in your case before you would take a risk like this, wouldn't you? A certain level
1: of confidence, certain level of arrogance, possibly. Um, you know, some of the things that are leveled at City, uh, a certain belief that you can do anything you want, or a certain stupidity. Uh, it, it could simply be, um, you know, UEFA feel their hand have been forced by the so-called super clubs because... You know, as, as one commentator said, Rafael Hernandez, uh, I think he's writes, he's a, a journalist writing from Brazil. And he's, he basically said, you, you for trying to please the top clubs so that they don't break off from it and begin an independent Champions League of their own, which he believes will happen within the next 10 years anyway. Yeah. So you for, you know, are they doing it to appease them? Are they doing it because they feel they've, they've got, uh, strength in their case? Are they hoping that by issuing a two year ban, the court of, uh, application for sport says, well, there are problems with your case. So we'll re- reduce the sentence. And the only way we can reduce it, either not to zero, but city have got some, uh, some guilt in some of uh, what's going on. We'll meet halfway with, with one year. Who, who knows? But if city fail with cast... They're going to go take it to the next level because they've got to. You know, they can't afford not to re- realistically, if they want to be a self-financing club, To lose out on a hundred, let's say a hundred million pounds for each of the uh, of two uh, two seasons that they're out of the Champions League, and the reputational damage that will have, the sponsorship damage that will have, the players that will that might who are wavering, there'll be one or two players who are thinking, do I stay? Do I go? They may decide to move on. It might have an impact, a small impact, I think, on players coming. It might have an impact on manager, and this is all fundamental. To the well-being of the club going forward, so I think this is a this is the uh, the line in the sand, uh, one way or the other. This is going to be fought out to the death.
0: Colin, just to pursue that point, what do you think happened here? Do you think that UEFA really just stuck their finger in the air and? And tried to predict the way that the wind was blowing and and felt that they had the backing of the super clubs and also the journalists, the majority of the journalists, and decided that throw a Hail Mary pass on this one? Or do you think that they've got something that we haven't known about?
2: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because you could look at this in two extremes, really. As we said before, it casts the whole independence notion of the adjudicatory chamber out of the window completely if everyone is in their ear all the time. So you could look at it and say, yes, it's UEFA, you know, it's, it's the Hawks in UEFA planning their last stand on FFP Hill. And, and that seems to be a you know a, a view that that they want this sorted out once and for all, and they want to just once and for all. And that certainly fits with the with the kind of uh, the noise around other things going on, the hack you know the the scant Seven hacking scandal and all that sort of stuff. So so that's one one view on one side. Now you could take the other view that you could perhaps um, be sympathetic to Alexander Seferin and say he's got a really terrible job because my understanding is that UEFA as a as a bureaucracy didn't want to reopen this case. That that was certainly David Kahn's view. They didn't want to go over old ground. It was just going to lead to problems. Let sleeping dogs lie. So he's been forced to do this. And, and his intention, you could say, is to come out of this with a solution that keeps as many people as happy as possible. And we, I think we've said this before. Maybe you could take the other extreme view is there's been a series of choreographed steps between uh, UEFA, the Court for Arbitration and Sport, or maybe even City, that have almost predicated an out- a desired outcome, a bit like a WWE wrestling match or whatever, you know, where, where everyone knows that someone's going to be that the good is going to be thrown against the ropes and be pinned down and be limping around the ring looking out of it. Then we'll make it a miraculous comeback and throw the baddie out of the ring and for a knockout or pin him down. So you, you could take the view that actually this is all part of a very carefully stage-managed uh, series of events that will throw the case out at CAS, and UEFA know that, and City know that. That's also a possibility, I guess, but what I would say, if that's, the, that, that's the plan. The problem is the mud still sticks, and if we get off on a so-called technicality, which it won't be a technicality, it will be we get off because UEFA has completely abused its own procedures, then people will still say, oh, well, City still cheats, but they got off on a technicality. So I think City have got to finish this one way or the other. So I tend to go for the opinion that it's the, the Hawks having their, say, last stand on FFP Hill, and it will be their last stand, hopefully. UEFA have now committed themselves, and City can't allow this. For for the sake of their image, they cannot allow this to leave mud sticking to
0: us. Ray, there seems, as so many times before, to be a lone voice crying in the wilderness. I'm going to read you a quote by this particular chap. See if you can tell me who you think it is. Let me give you the quote. It I is- can tell you before you've read it. <laughs> okay, we'll just hold off on that. Let me read the quote. It is possible to acknowledge city's wrongdoing, but still hold nothing but contempt For the system that has found them guilty. For the secret briefings, the pressure placed on UEFA to ring-fence their primary competition for the select few. Financial fair play was corrupted from birth by those at the top, warped into the most naked protectionism. It was supposed to be about debt, but ended up placing limitations on owner investment. A club loaded with debt like Manchester United is fully compliant, and a club without debt like City is not. Who said it, and why do you think he's the only one saying
1: it? Martin Samuel said it. He's the only one who's got the guts to say what he knows is the truth. I suspect, and I will suggest, that many other, if not most of the journalists, they know this is to be the truth as well, but it doesn't serve their agendas. It just doesn't serve their clickbait agendas because, you know, uh, they, they've got papers to sell, um, phone calls to, to, for people to make on premium rate lines and everything else. So um, it, it's it's Martin Samuel. He's the only one who consistently, and he's been on about F- uh, FFP since since its inception, uh, taking uh, Michel Platini to task, taking the uh, now deceased ex premier of uh, was it Holland or one of the banks that went bankrupt? So I forgot his name sadly, uh, taking him to task. Um, And and lots of others. Nobody else wants to really, nobody else has got the balls to be honest and and do this except Martin Samuel by the looks of things.
0: In stark contrast to Martin Samuel, Colin, I think you tweeted about having had the displeasure, using your words, of listening to Simon Stone on on Radio 5 talking about it. What was he on about?
2: Oh, Simon has absolutely no idea what he was talking about. He was talking about shell companies and hidden payments and... Uh, all that sort of rubbish. And um, when UEFA clearly said this is about overstated sponsorships and failure to cooperate. So so what Simon was burbling on about, I have no idea. Bless him. <laughs> but the, 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 the frightening thing is he is a BBC employee. And he's yeah. gone on the BBC to, to to say something about this case. And his view will be taken as gospel, despite the yeah. fact it's completely and utterly wrong.
1: At some point, I want the the city hierarchy... To actually go after journalists because when when you're I mean this is is it is it would you call it mistaken would you call it ignorance would you call it lying you know I, I don't know where, where, where these statements fall but at some point in the city hierarchy have got to say let's go after them you know if we're going to go after UEFA over over this issue of FFP Let's let's do do everything together. Kill two birds with one stone. Let's go after the journalist as well.
0: Colin, to quote or paraphrase Donald Rumsfeld, there are a lot of known unknowns and unknown knowns. But uh, what do you reckon Pep is making of all of this?
2: Well, it's a question the BBC asked me. It's difficult to know, isn't it? I mean, it could could go one of two ways. I mean, Pep's repeatedly said that he will see out his contract. And everyone keeps coming back and saying, oh, yeah, but I've heard he'll be off at the end of the season. You know, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? And of course, it all depends. One of the issues that I've been reading about Kazin, where there's um, a case for a timely intervention, they usually enable that. So yep. they'll fast track this appeal because yep. obviously it impacts we'll have to know by, well, within the next six months before the group stages start as to what our fate is, which is difficult for you know, the club in fifth place because they might be hanging on. They'll be in European competition anyway, but you don't know which way for competition it will be, the Champions League or the Europa League. But it might be difficult for a club which might creep into the... U- Let's say, for example, Sheffield United, we, we do get banned. Sheffield United take our place in fifth place, which would be fantastic for them. The winners of the FA Cup go into the Europa League. If we win the FA Cup, does that impact us? Are we allowed in the Europa League? Or is it, is it a European ban or a Champions League ban? It'd be a
1: European ban. That's how it's always worked.
2: Yeah, yep. yep. that's right. The club who come, say, eighth or seventh, whoever it may be, will then have to start in July in the group stages. So so this will have to be resolved by early July, I think, or the ban will have to be suspended until it is resolved. Imagine the situation that we get banned from the Champions League, and by uh, this time, by December next year, Cals have thrown the case out. In that case, we sue UEFA for lost income.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm Ray, sure that's what we do. Ray,
0: uh, uh, quite a similar question here. Some people were laying odds on which City players would be the first to want to flee the, the Coop, as it were. Um, what do you think the players would be thinking about this?
1: None of them. I will ask for, answer a que- question you didn't ask. None of them will be leaving uh, un- unless they were already earmarked to leave. Look, I don't think anybody is going to suddenly turn around if they were not looking to leave before and say, well, you know, because... We might not be in the Champions League, you know. I mean, the club will sit down with the players at some point and, and speak to them. They've got to give them some information. But I can't see anybody who wasn't already looking to move on in the summer actually moving on, unless the club come around and say, well, you know, we think we might be banned for next season. And I don't think the club will come out and say that. So, you know, the only person that you might, I'm, I'm not even going to speculate, who might leave. There's a few knowns that are going to leave. A few people that we suspect are going to leave, but as I said, I, I can't see any player using this as the motivation to look for an, an, a, uh, you know, uh, a transfer out of City. I just can't see it. Colin, I'm going to ask you a question
0: that you'll probably regard as particularly stupid, but anyway, here goes. Never stopped me before. <laughs> Never stopped me before. I'll get you back for that, Ray. Anyway, um, Colin, City were doing the takeover when Abu Dhabi were taking over Man City. Did it not occur to anyone that having Etihad and Etisalat and, and these various other, inverted commas, sister companies doing most of the sponsoring might lead to problems down the line?
2: Well, no, because um, FFP wasn't even thought of, wasn't even conceived at that point. So why should it? If the um, media are claiming this is all a case of sports washing, and, and Sheikh Mansour really isn't the owner, and, and we're all a, you know, we're in we're a front for Abu Dhabi. Then why wouldn't you use those companies to splash their name across the world?
0: Mm, well, there's your answer. I, I did say that I thought it might be a stupid question, but um, <laughs> going into the future, Colin, continuing with my stupid question, if City get through this, would it not be an idea to replace Etihad with someone else?
2: Well, we are doing, aren't we? That's, they, yeah. they
0: are looking for a new sponsor. I, I didn't and know that. Entry,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Etihad arrangement will be coming to an end, and City are apparently looking for a new shirt sponsor. The issue is, it, it, let's say that's Nissan, for example. The great thing is, if Nissan pay us 50 million a year or whatever, just for the shirt sponsorship, all the issues of Etihad go away, don't they? Because it, Nissan are not in any way or shape or form a related partner. Yeah,
0: uh, although it, it, it might be an idea to, to, to take the deal before UEFA and ask them, how, do, how much do you think this deal is worth?
1: <laughs> it's much as anybody else is getting, or more. Yeah. Because, but look, you, they can turn around and say, you know, Man United are getting, uh, what, are, 75 million a year from Adidas, shirt sponsor, and was it 53 from Chevrolet? Okay. And why can't City say, well, you know, United are relying on their historic past. They're winning sweet FA at the moment. So why can't City, and I think it's quite right, be valued even higher uh, than Man United's? Why can't somebody come along and say, we'll give you 80 million? Because of your, because you've got PEP, because you've won four Premier League titles in eight or nine years, because you've won all these other trophies. Uh, Yes, you haven't done it in Europe, but look, you know, we're wanting to uh, post Brexit invest in the UK or whatever, whatever gump they want to come up with. Maybe we, they can do that, you know, and 50 million to me these days, you know, the funny thing with the Etihad deal, when they signed it, it was, I'd say top end. I think it was top end of the deal and as, as, as good as we could get. And it was considered realistically around market value. But it was a 10 year deal. Once seven or eight years had, had gone by, it, to me, the proportion that was, had been apparently allocated towards the, the shirt sponsorship, which was about 25 to 30 million pounds maximum, looked a bit low. You know, when, when teams like United are getting 53 million and other teams are getting, you know, uh, I can't remember what Yokohama are paying Chelsea—is it fifty million or something? So these numbers are now uh, they've gone into ridiculous um, levels. So I don't see why City can't say, you know, and get somebody. They can't ask; they can ask for seventy or eighty million, and I don't see how they can turn around and say that's not market value. Colin Savage, uh, we talked about the potential uh,
0: impact on Pep's thinking and the existing players' uh, thinking with this penalty what effect if any do you think it would have to potential players that we want to sign difficult to know until this is resolved isn't it but
2: um i say we're hoping it will be resolved before the next champions league starts basically
0: well that's but, true but we've, got, but but, we've but, got you know if
2: you come to if you come into city yeah you're coming to a club that's certainly going to win domestic trophies and worst case scenario is that worst very worst case scenario will be out the Champions League for a couple of seasons uh, and we'll be back we'll be back three seasons later
0: do you subscribe Colin to the theory that this unprecedented and seemingly over over harsh penalty of two years was decided upon with the hope or anticipation that it left wiggle room and that they could meet in the middle on one year
2: well, I say my information is that uh, Alexander Separin was trying to get Sister to accept a fine now quite how we could do how we could manage that when this adjudicatory chamber is supposed to be completely independent and free of any uh bias from from within the UEFA hierarchy is quite bizarre to me. I could tell you for an absolute fact, because I've heard it from the horse's mouth. Omar Barada, the chief operating officer, has said, we have done nothing wrong. We will not accept any penalty whatsoever.
0: Well, Colin, let's stay with you for a minute. We've put ourselves inside the mind of Pepe, inside the mind of the players, inside the minds of potential players. What would you imagine that Khaldun's reaction would be? Would he have been taken by surprise by this?
2: Well, I think the club said they are what shot but not su- disappointed or not surprised or something. What was the exact wording of the statement? I can't remember. Just,
0: just, just what you said.
2: So, no, I don't think UEFA, Seferin was trying to push the idea of accepting a technical breach and a relatively insignificant fine. We weren't having that. So, basically, that's saying to UEFA, isn't it? Go away and do your worst than they have done.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly seems like that all eventualities would be, uh, have been uh, planned for in, in, in quite some detail. I think it'd be like
1: uh, any red-blooded person, they'd be absolutely uh, probably go ballistic, you know, especially since it was so unexpected. And I think the response will be belligerent as uh, since you've been accused of in the past. I think they're going uh, he's going to hit back, you know and 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 amongst other things, it's going to take a lot of his time away from the other things that he's charged to do. Uh, You know, he's not just the chairman of Manchester City Football Club. You know, he's got a lot of other important roles uh, in investment and um, in an advisory capacity. So, I think this is going to take a lot of his time uh, and he's going to be very angry and frustrated and very angry because it's going to waste his time and I think he's going to dedicate his time and I think it will be like a bee in his bonnet and he will, uh, as we've said before, I think they'll go for the juggler whether we win at Cass or not we'll keep going, I I can't see it stopping uh, just at Cass because uh, as uh, my, my good friend Rafael Hernandez has said he said Man City need to try and completely invalidate financial Fair play in court, rather than overturn a two-year ban, it will be the difference between succeeding or failing. And he—he's a person who doesn't care how much money comes in. He said, "Other clubs, I mean, you know, he's—he's a a journalist in Brazil, so he doesn't, you know, have a a vested interest in City. He actually supports, uh, I think, uh, Barcelona, and he actually wants Pep to go back to Barcelona. So that's where his his uh, bias lies is for uh, Barcelona." But he said other oh, clubs have done it, you know, in, in since the sixties, like, probably long, long before them, they've pumped a lot of money into clubs and City, Chelsea and P- PSG are just recent cases. Um, and it's been going on for so long. And why, you know, going back over a bit of old ground, why are they doing it all now? And, and, you know, and the ban, he believes the ban is politically motivated and FFP was used as a means to an end because City, have been belligerent, they won't bow down to UEFA, whereas PSG seem to have bowed down to UEFA, they've got away with their own case, and now they've got a seat at the top table uh, with their chairman uh, on one of the boards or committees of UEFA, so I think, as I said, Caldun will be livid, and uh, I, I only wish, back when the first case came out a few years back, we actually went for it there and then, because... We've, I don't think we made a, we kind of made a rod for our own back to say we will appease you to a point, we won't push you. And so maybe that's another reason why UEFA have, have come back this time. I wish we'd gone hard at it the first time round to show, to, 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 to know where we stood right at the start to say, is FFP uh, acceptable? Is it illegal? Is it allowable? Where do we stand? I wish we'd done it back there and then.
0: Well, I think one thing's for certain guys, we are going to have to face months, potentially months, of uh, really desperately irritating headlines on our Twitter feeds from the various uh, news outlets. Some of the, uh, it's only been not much more than 24 hours already. I've seen headlines to the effect of Pep to Juventus. I've seen a ridiculous one saying that Manchester United and Liverpool. Are going to be fighting it out for the signing of Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, It's it's just, it's just, it's just
1: unbelievable, guys. And, um, I'm going to say one of the worst things, Mike. What one of the worst things is, you know, Liverpool, honestly, the only challenges you could see to Liverpool being top of the tree right now and for the next few years and Manchester City. And if we get battered buy all, all this if we lose at uh, Cass if we do have to sell the odd player or two to make ends meet because uh, as we, we said we're going to be losing possibly £70 million uh, or more from the Champions League money and gate receipts and everything else we're going to be in, in, in trouble and all the United fans who are laughing at us right now uh, as Raphael says their laughter might be short-lived as Liverpool get back on their perch because they're going to win the most league titles within the next you know, if City aren't able to compete and the United fans who are already, I don't know why they're laughing anyway, because they, they're already struggling as a club to achieve anything in football anymore. I don't know why they're laughing because Liverpool will be back on their perch. Before we finish, I'd just like
0: to um, give you guys a little window to um, to bring up any points that we haven't mentioned or any other things that you would like to express your views on, if at all.
2: Yeah, I think one thing from me, um, just to kind of go back to 2014, what we now know from de Spiegel was that UEFA was arguing that um, Etihad was a related party. Now, without going into this too deeply, related parties are an accountancy type thing and and are meant to highlight any deals done between uh, connected parties to, to ensure they're above board. UEFA adopted this concept. Basically, uh, an owner can sponsor his own the club. He, an owner of a business, can sponsor a club he himself owns or runs. Uh, But that deal has to be for market value. Now, when UEFA looked at our books, they claimed that Etihad was a related party. Uh, but they they felt that the deal was probably fair market value if I remember correctly. Now there are now if the deal is fair market value, Sheikh Mansour could put in every penny of that money. Doesn't matter because it's all above, that's all above board. So there's no nothing to stop Sheikh Mansour putting in money as long as that's fair market value. UEFA now seem to be saying that these are disguised owner investment. Now, that only matters if they're not related party deals, because if they are related party deals, as I just said, Sheikh Mansour could put in every penny as long as it's fair value. They're now saying UEFA's fair value, but actually the owner can't put money in, so they're not related parties. So they've actually seemed to have contradicted the argument they put forward in 2014,
1: which sounds very convenient to me. It's all about the money, which I mentioned earlier about the European Super League, That's been talked about for donkey's years. Yeah. We, we've, we've seen the experiment in the past with extra, uh, an extra group stage. This talk that they want an extra group stage to get the games up to about 24 games or something ridiculous in the Champions League. It's all about money because that's what the super uh, clubs want. They just want more and more money. And look, City uh, are the same. We want more and more money. We've seen the, the, the changes with the distribution uh, or the, the impending changes of distribution of the TV money, where because it's so skewed in our favor, because most of the money that your host TV uh, company, a satellite company, or whoever contribute, in our case, BT. That was giving the English clubs uh, an extra boost because BT were paying a lot more than broadcasters in other regions. And so they took some of that money, I think or that's a proposal or it's even happened to take some of the money away from the BT uh, aspects of what they're paying us and spread it around Europe to make it a little bit fairer. The changes they've made to the co- uh, the coefficients so that AC Milan's uh, European Cups from 50-odd years ago actually gets them some extra money when they qualify for European competitions now, which is ludicrous. That's certainly not fair. So they're rewarding historic success. It's just, you know, so it's all about the money. Clubs just want the money. They want to, and they want to stop other people getting the money. So, you know, where we talked, what I've talked about, possibly this being pushed by the super clubs, forcing UEFA's hand to stop them from getting into the Super League. There's lots of uh, absolute ridiculous stuff going on behind the scenes. I'm sure of it. A lot of pressure from the super clubs pushing UEFA to these decisions. Sadly, because City are going to appeal to CAS, we're not going to get the full UEFA verdict. They're, they're going to re- delay that until after the CAS uh, has done its uh, run its course. So we're not even. You know, I was ho- hoping to get some more uh, juicy uh, bits of information, but we're not going to get any of that. And the last thing I'm going to say, I've heard that city fans uh, apparently there's, uh, there's going to be uh, a protest uh, planned at the Real Madrid Real Madrid grade and apparently the protest will be the usual early leavers who normally leave it after 75 minutes they're going to stay an extra 5 minutes and leave after 80 minutes
2: <laughs> I've heard I've heard yeah. don't quote me on this that people are, might be booing the UA for Jingle
0: no how dare they how dare they just when you thought that had come to an end well something that has come to an end guys is this podcast we've um, we've enjoyed it we hope that you enjoyed it and you found it informative we'll be back with you again I think the, the next thing that we'll be doing in this extended break is the final part of our series on the Franny years hopefully we'll get that together but until that happens let's uh, temporarily for the moment bid adieu farewell to our two bolt from the blue guys so
1: uh, Ray thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure Mike Uh, pleasure Colin and uh, from this day forth I will be hosting all my emails all my important emails on a server that's hidden in my bathroom (laughs) (laughs)
0: and Colin Savage thank you so much for coming on
2: It's always a pleasure. It's been a busy morning, but um, an interesting one. And I I noticed this morning my phone uh, had to do an update on um, uh, my operating system, Android operating system. I'm beginning to wonder now if it's been hacked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not that you get anything interesting off my phone. Uh, Well, guys, that's great. We'll leave it there and uh, finish off our pod with what we always say. Be sure to have one on us and up those blues.
1: Manchester United have done all they Not really goals the three points. Manchester City are still alive here.
0: The time that your mind took a holiday.